Good day, everyone. This is Martha Childress, and welcome to Sedona Spotlight, where each week we're going to be putting a spotlight on the sacredness of water till the end of the year and bringing our sacred connections with all of the elements right up to the surface and into our lives so anyone, anywhere, or anytime can experience the amazing energies and messages from the sacred red rocks of Sedona, Arizona, the Pacific Ocean with Dariel Archer, and Mount Shasta in the mountains with Robin Alexis, and of course, all the waters of the world and beyond. You can also listen up live from Seattle, Washington in vicinity every Tuesday at half past noon on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM on the dial, or listen live online from anywhere in the world you may happen to be at 12.30 PM US Pacific time, simply by clicking the Listen Live link at SedonaSpotlight.com. And today I'm extremely honored to have Vernon Masayevsva with me from Hopi Land. Um, uh, Nancy from Airline Ambassadors and I had the pleasure of being up there and um, meeting with um, Vernon and his lovely wife, Becky, and of course, Ernest, who's our boots on the ground with our clean water mission. Um, and we talked more deeply about the sacredness of water. Um, and Vernon specifically has a water proclamation that I really want him to share because um, the the Hopi and and most of the indigenous all over the world have so much to teach us. And I think the world is ready to listen. Um, and he's also been very instrumental in ongoing efforts um, to get Peabody Mining to institute reclamation after decades of polluting their land and ruining their once pristine and abundant aquifer to dangerously low and toxic levels, which is also threatening some of their sacred sites. And we'll talk about that as well. So welcome to the show, Vernon. Such an honor to have you here with us today. I'm glad to be here be with you, yeah. with all the yeah. people out there. Yeah. yeah. So let's start with your water proclamation, um, because that that says a lot and about the sacredness of water, um, especially in the midst of some of these massive water rights and land, land grabs going on all over the world. So as you say, we really need a paradigm shift in the way we think about water um, and just about all of the elements, but you know, specifically water. So why didn't you start there with your proclamation and what led you uh, to come up with it? Okay, um, uh, thank you for having me on your show. Um, we are uh, a member of the uh, Hopi tribe, and we uh, settled in the um, Colorado Plateau area um, before, way before everyone else showed yeah. up. And um, so we have a, a beautiful story about um, our ancestors coming here from what Hopis call the world below. Um, and that world below is called Palatki, either translate into water house or red water. Mm -hmm. But um, that region encompasses all of uh, Mexico and Central America. And that's where our ancestors um, came from. Um, untold number of years ago. Uh, the reason uh, for them leaving this beautiful city uh, was because it became corrupted. Um, it was founded by a benevolent 
lead a priest. And uh, eventually, taken over by younger priests who um, turned it into an evil, evil empire. And um, it got really bad uh, where the priests would sacrifice young people to please the gods so they can keep their power. And at that point, uh, ancestors felt it was necessary for them to leave, uh, go seek another place to start a new life, a safe place to raise children. And I'm sure there were other groups of people, too, that also left. Um, but our ancestors traveled through the desert, um, and they uh, guided by water. You know, they would camp where the water is and move on. I don't know how many, many years until they reach um, a big river, uh, now called Colorado River. We call it Pisisvai, And they followed it upstream all the way in the Grand Canyon. And there on the bank of Little Colorado River, they saw a huge, um, they came upon a huge mound that shaped like an anthill. And the water was, uh, would come out, flow over, and recede. And this is uh, the place the wise elders were looking for. They apparently already knew the sign where they were to get out of the Grand Canyon. And this was the place. They said it was uh, breathing. And so they, after a difficult climb, they came up here uh, to what we now call Colorado Plateau. Uh, that place uh, uh, that shaped like an anthill with water coming in and out uh, is called Sea Pop. Um, and so we came out of CPOP, our ancestors did. I, you know, I say we, because that's somehow the way we think. Mm-hmm. And that's, um, that's actually being threatened, that sacred site, because of what's, what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. So do you want to, yeah, no, yeah. that's a, that's a beautiful thank story. You. And thank you for, for sharing that. Um, and it sounds like they knew what they were looking for. And so that was an integral part to, you know, the culture, you know, moving here and settling uh, where you are now um, and yeah. where you've been holding the wisdom for so, so long. Um, yeah. So tell us a little bit about um, when you started in, in the tribe and you in particular started realizing that these outside interests that came in like Peabody Mining and you know, we're, we're profiting off your reservation while contaminating your waters um, and how your efforts with the Black Mesa Trust uh, finally got it shut down and um, and the challenges that, you know, are still present. Yeah. Well, when, when the ancestors came out of the canyon, they saw human footprints. Someone was here. So they looked and looked for him. Eventually found him um a little bit south of an ancient city now uh, of Oraibi, 
he had a farm there in the middle of a desert, and his crops were doing pretty good. <laughs> he knew something. Ancestors <laughs> said, this is the place we want to be. And it was um, a decision that they made, so they asked this farmer. His name is Ma Sal. He's a Hopi. His name is Ma Sal. But he's a Hopi nut, just like a Ho- like we call ourselves Hopis. He was a he was a perfect person, and he uh, told the people, "You can stay here, but if you do, you have to follow my way of life." And he showed them what uh, what what he how he survived. He showed them uh, ear of corn, uh, gourd of water water and the planting sticks. He said, this is all I have to survive here in a desert when there's no water to irrigate my field. It's a hard life. It's a very hard life. And um, ancestors uh, said, okay, we will. We will stay in it and, and, and be with you. Uh, and Marcel said, I'm here to take care of this part of the earth we now call Colorado. Hopis call it Oaki, sensory. Uh, and if you decide to stay, you have to help me take care of this land. And so, so that decision was made, and the people settled and, and became farmers in a desert. And that's where they learned a lot about water. Yeah, that water is life. It's not a commodity that you can sell and trade and make money. But that's uh, that's a foreign thing to the Hopi people because water is sacred. Without water, there'll be no life on earth. And uh, but the um, but there's another mindset we call the European mindset that sea water. It's nothing but a commodity. It's only of use. You can tame the like the wild rivers and put it to use, beneficial use. That's the difference. We have a completely different way of thinking about water. And so today, we have water problems all over the world because of the way mankind uh, has use water as a commodity, as a thing. Um, and that, Hopi said, that's the reason where we are today. We, are, we don't see water as sacred, sacred to all life and all living things. Sentient beings have a right to water, to life. That's the way we think. That's our mindset. Come 180 degrees from the European mindset. But we don't uh, have no voice in making laws. You know, laws that we now follow in the United States. And so all the water laws are about commodity. Yeah. And then we don't so we don't fit into the picture. And that's the problem we're having. 
right now. That's what happened at Black Mesa coal mine. In the yeah, because yeah, I yeah. The, the statistics are staggering. Um, if you just to give people an idea, this most pristine water, this aquifer that actually fed, you know, your sacred sites as well. Yeah. Um, and it, they used Peabody mining. Not only did they use strip mining, which is, you know, wasn't used anywhere else uh, privately. It was only used on reservations, unfortunately, where they didn't have the oversight and the regulations were not um necessarily adhered to um but yeah. they were on the pulse of government and you guys were on the pulse of the earth and you talk about how how much water that they actually use to slurry coal um over their period of operation well from the start uh of the mining operation um at the time, two years ago, it was finally shut down, the mining. And, and thanks they, mostly to your efforts, you know, yeah, they, with yeah. the Black Mesa Trust. Yeah. Hallelujah. They use, uh, use 50 billion gallons of water buried deep under our land, a desert land that in a good year gets about maybe 10 inches of rainfall a year. And so I don't know how many millions of years. Yeah, millions before. of years it took to, you yeah. know, and how sacred that water was because, um, like you say, you know, water, um, you know, it's it goes through so many cycles with the earth to the seas, you know, up in the rain and back again. And so the cycle that that water in particular had and how long it took to become so plentiful and pristine is a story within itself yeah. and then for them to use that most sacred water um to slurry coal so they didn't rust their pipes i mean i you know it's, it's and the amount is staggering and you 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 gave us some statistics and i'm hoping you're going to share it with our audience and how many times you could go to the moon and back yeah um well um that the water was used by a coal mining company to um, generate electric power. As well, yeah. Both. Now generating station in Mojave in Nevada, over 300 miles away. And uh, Secretary of Interior Stuart Udall really wanted uh, to do something to get the California congressional delegation to not to stop fighting uh, Carl, Senator Carl Hayton's dream of bringing water from Colorado River to Phoenix and Tucson. And, um, and, and, but uh, every time Hayton proposed it and put a budget together, the California delegation would just shoot, shoot it down because uh, they didn't want, they said they have a first right to the river. Well, that, and that was uh, so to please the Californians, he, pro, he, uh, he, he promised cheap electricity. And that's how the slurry operation started to take it to Mojave Generating Station, owned by a southern Cal uh, Edison. Um, and the price that Udo approved 
to get this $1.67 and per acre feet. Three an acre feet is about three hundred and sixty thousand gallons. For that we were paid one dollar sixty seven cents. That was the original price. Later it went up to hundred and fifty, but still very cheap. I have a bottle of water here that I paid a little over a dollar. Tiny b- bottle of water. Yeah. So imagine. Just in, why did this happen? To bring water to Phoenix and Tucson. We yeah. were sacrificed. But we didn't make a fuss about it. That's just the way Hopis are. We're very trusting people. And there, of course, are many other things that happen up at the mine that we still don't know what the degree of destruction that the mining company has caused is just staggering. Yeah, and didn't you say that the amount of water in cubic feet could get to the moon and back like over five Four times? times. If, you, if, you, if you put that into a 55 barrel gallons of water and stack them up, it'll reach the moon four times. I mean, that's, I, yeah, I mean that is just so staggering. I think that, yeah. that statistic alone, I mean, not only were they grossly underpaying, I mean, they weren't even basically paying at that price, yeah. um, but they actually sucked the water aquifer practically drier, at least to the low levels it is now. And with the lo- levels as low as they are, in the typography on the reservation where all the polluted groundwater from the mining, um, as well as any backwashes during the operation, um, and along with naturally occurring arsenic, has concentrated so much because the levels are so low. And so the problem um, is much, you know, it's not like there's, I, I mean, what they left you is beyond comprehension as far as the levels of uranium and arsenic and whatnot. And that's what we're trying so hard to do to at least clean what water is there and make it healthy. But the problem is much, much bigger. Um, That's just a Band-Aid. You know, for restitution, it's going to, a lot more people are going to need to know what's happening there and to to support you guys, uh, you all, as much as we can. Um, in bringing this uh, to awareness because it's 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 criminal and like you say um, it's you know water is something for all sentient beings to have entitled access to um, and the paradigm shift of you know understanding that water is not a commodity I mean we we were all brought you know we, we came from water you know I think we're all mostly made up of water you know you didn't have to be brought up understanding that for that to make sense now um and um, well i wish i could i wish our show was longer um so i'll have to have you back on to go in more depth about this but um what i'd like to ask you now just to kind of close i know when i was reading your proclamation too and we'll have it on our website if anyone wants to see your call for a new water paradigm um 
when you talk about water is more than a source of life. It is all life itself, a spirit, a medium through which we communicate with the creator. We believe water responds to the human and non-human environment. It is sentient and in its hydraulic cycles, water passes from earthly seas to celestial seas and back to earth as rain, sustaining all life. All earthly beings, including us humans, are part of and not separate from the eternal water cycle. So what we do to water, we do to ourselves. And that's where you said, you know, and and that's what we talk about with Dr. Emoto too, is um, you say thank you to water every time you drink it. And where the first drop of rain um, comes, um, thank you for visiting us. Thank you for remembering us. I mean, it's a relationship. And so what would your, uh, would you like to close on, um, you know, to kind of emphasize that point? Well, um, um, you got it right, right on the money. I mean, you, you um, explained it perfectly. And uh, well, I was, I was reading I your say? proclamation. Those are your yeah. words. <laughs> well, thank you. But I think that it's time that we humans don't think we are masters of water. Yeah. That we don't control water. It's water that is the master. And we have to learn to work with water, not against it, which we are now doing. And that is what is causing all these problems we are witnessing today. That's what Hopi say. Uh, we're polluting the water. And the waters, polluted waters, are killing life, sea life, all kinds of life. That's not right. They all yeah. have a right to life. That's the Hopi. And that's what our prayers are all about. We don't just pray for ourselves. We talk, pray for people of all colors, all children, all over the world, which is why Hopis are really sad that there are children out there bombed out of their homes. No water to drink, no food to eat. What, what have we humans become? And I think that's the message that the world needs to understand, that we can all live with water. Uh, and things, I don't know, this is just a vision, my dream. I don't know if we'll ever get there. But at least I hope people out there understand that we got to have a, develop a new paradigm of water, a paradigm that is based on the Hopi paradigm of water. We already know the value of water, and we're out here to teach the world. Well, and yeah, I, th- I thank you so, so much and for everything that the Hopi have done for generations and decades um, as the wisdom keepers and the prayer, uh, saying all and all the prayers for the whole world for so long and so we really hope that we can help bring this to everyone's attention and as i say as we help as we help the hopi we're helping ourselves too as we help water we're we're supporting life um it's not like we really have a choice either these days for anyone that is kind of you might not you know understand all this but you'll understand when you don't have water anymore that 
your life is going to be significantly changed and could peril. So this is it's, it's, it's vital that we learn from your ancestors and the Hopi um, and, you know, all, all of the cultures and all of the indigenous that have been telling us this for ages. Um, and I'm hoping the world is ready to listen. So thank you so much for, you know, sharing your story. Um, and uh, where where can people um, go to the Black Mesa Trust to learn how to support your organization? I, um, what was it? Black Mesa Trust? Black Mesa Trust. Yeah. Black Mesa Trust.org. Okay, great. And we also have a link to that um, on our website as well. If you click on the water mission, um, the clean water mission, you'll find a place to donate and you'll see some of the YouTubes that Black Mesa Trust has put out and a link to them as well. So like I say, you'll also find a link to Black Mesa Trust on our website, along with an archive of today's show at SedonaSpotlight.com. And as I say, thank you so much for joining us um, today again, Vernon. And, and thanks, Becky, for helping facilitate all this. <laughs> Okay, thank you. Yeah, thank you. And thank you, everybody, uh, yeah. for giving us this opportunity to talk to the world. Uh, we are 12,000 people in Leicester. We're a brain in the sand trying to send a message. Um, but through technology such as the one we're using now, uh, people are listening, hopefully, uh, understanding, or at least begin to think about what I'm just talking about, that all sentient beings have a right to water. Every sentient being have a purpose in life. Every, every life. Well so said, well said. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you again for joining us and for our listeners. Uh, now we're in the archives. Um, each time we tune into the elements, especially water, we become more in tune. And when we're more in tune, it's good medicine and beautiful music. So dance on the earth, sway with the wind, sing to the fire and let it flow for love of water and have a truly magical day.